Hey, everybody. Welcome back to That's a Hard Nation. This is your favorite host, Vinny Dunleavy. And it has been a while. I admit it. It's been probably more than a minute. And you've been probably wondering what's happened. Well, I'm still alive. I'm still a father. I'm still a husband. And I still have a job. But life in 2022, like everybody else, has been busy. And so since we came off our hot fourth season with all those dads that we interviewed, uh, we have a lot of big things in the works for the summer. And I'm excited uh, to do a pop-up episode in the middle of May, uh, a little bit post Cinco de Mayo for if you're trying to listen to this, but I think it's important and it's timely and I'm excited. So today is a single episode. There's going to be more to come and because it's the end of the school year, like many of us, we just probably wrapped up spring break. It's May, it's the end of the year. Uh, I thought it was time to talk a little bit about the importance of education with our kids, uh, what dads care about uh, and, and how busy it makes us. And in particular, it's because I met a new friend. Dare I say friend, who's gonna be joining me today in this podcast because we are just two Italian guys from opposite ends of Long Island, but somehow in Port Washington, we met up one day. So uh, I'm excited for him to share his story, uh, talk about some of the challenges he's been through and what motivates him to be a father and dare I say, wear the moniker of dad so hard. So please, let's give him a big dad so hard nation. Welcome to Mr. Mike Trutola. Welcome, Mike. Vinny, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. My, I am so, this is literally, for anybody who knows Long Island, we are bringing together two different ends of the Long Island Expressway. I grew up, at exit 73 in Riverhead at the very end. And Mike, you are from- Whitestone, I'm from Queens. Which is like literally exit, I would, I think it's like technically like 12, is it? No, what is it on the LAE? Like, it's not on the LAE, you can take the even, cross island north. The last exit before the Whitestone Bridge. It is literally right where it begins. You are at the very beginning of the LAEM at the very end. So we are really uh, bringing two voices of the island together. So, uh, for anybody who doesn't know Mike, we're going to get into his story, but uh, I'm excited because Mike is also a Port Washington dad whose daughter shares something very similar to my daughter, the same first name. So we're going to be talking a lot and we may be saying the name Emily. Uh, it, it's audio, so you're just going to have to recognize our voices and figure out which one we're talking about. Does that sound good? What do you think, Mike? I think it's great. All right, so we're going to get into this. I'm excited. Uh, and Mike, so one of the things I've been thinking about, and I'm, I've been passionate about uh, my kid in school, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted Mike on the podcast today is because people have come up to me with my podcast and my personality, and they think, is there anything more you should do? And people sometimes suggest to me other things I should do. And I say to them, you know what? It's not for me. I'm already too busy. And my father was in local politics. He ran for an election. I had to somehow go around my town putting names up. Uh, it's a lot of work. And we have the school board elections are coming up at the end of the year. And there are people all over the country. My wife has gotten involved in the PTA recently. Uh, I do my daughter's soccer team. There's all different ways we can give back. Uh, but I think what's challenging is that in some ways, when you run for like political office, in my mind, people get paid. You, you put your name on TV. You're running for a councilman. It's a part-time job. You don't get paid a lot. But it's modest. But they get paid. And therefore, I view if you're getting paid and you're a paid politician, my taxes go there bam, I have a lot to say to you. What was shocking to me in buying a house, and so I, we lived in Riverdale before, uh, Mike, and I think you may be able to help me understand this part. 
When you buy a house, you have your tax bill. Your tax bill is broken into two ways. I have my taxes to the town of Port Washington, and then I have the school taxes. But in theory, when I pay my mortgage, and this goes for all the people listening who are like, do I want to be a mar- do I want to get married? Do I want a father? What do I want to do with my life? This is important to understand what happens when you buy a house because you have the actual value, but then you buy, we deem it in the mortgage like your taxes. And I always like, you know, cynically or, or ignorantly assumed that that just meant, oh, that's like what I owe the town. And then I realized, well, half of the money goes to the school board. And then it took dealing with my father over the years to realize the school board is managing a lot of money, but they're all like volunteers. Like they're not managed by the government. So now you have this group of people that are volunteering their time. And now you're watching TV and you're seeing school boards all over the country. People are screaming at these people. They're like going crazy, but it's a volunteer position. I am like, I, I blew my mind to realize that you're, these people are not paid because of the amount of time and work, right? These are all people that are doing a lot of different things. You are a very busy man. Can you just talk a minute about like, put, I would put a needle in my eye if I had a volunteer yeah. at the school. I manage my daughter's soccer team. Some days I love it. There's a lot of people involved that know sometimes it drives me crazy. It is difficult uh, with everything else going on in life. What, where do you think you're going to find the time and what has motivated you to go, I need to give the town of Port Washington more Mike Tritoli? Because now you're opening yourself up to both your wife and your kids. Now we all are going to be able to get a little piece of you. Why would you want to do this? Well, you know, I guess I, the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing is running for a school board position. And um, it started in 2000, I'm going to say 19. Uh, my daughter has special needs and I was unhappy with the programs in Port Washington. And I started to watch a little bit more closely what goes on. Um, and it troubled me because we didn't have an inclusion program. Uh, we were one of the few districts that didn't yeah. have one. And it just frustrated me. And as I started to look around, because at one point I, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, is Port Washington the right place? We've been here. My wife and I have been here for 20 years. Uh, it took us a long time to start a family. We didn't start a family yeah. until 12 years in. So I started to, you know, I never even paid attention for the first 12 years that we were here because I didn't have any children in the school. And then when I had a daughter in the school, I started to follow the programs. And uh, when you have a kid with special needs, you tend to get a little bit more involved because you don't just have a teacher, you have a team. And when see, you I want to team- stop you. What I love about that, Mike, is you, because of the kind of guy you are, you said, because I have a kid with special needs, you, you tend to get more involved. I, I want to sit on that for a minute because I think that's what makes you unique and different as a dad, because I don't think that is a shared feeling of a lot of men and a lot of fathers out there, unfortunately. And I say that from my own experience of like when I've gone to my kids um, uh, special needs meetings, and it's very fascinating to me to have the, to have both the people who work in the district and the other moms to look at you as if like when you have a question, like, oh, you care or you're open to it and you, and you, you're leaning in. And I found in just in all in education, like when I go to the parent teacher conferences and I show up, I don't think the moms know what to do with me. And it, it, they, and it's a very different, it's a very different relationship. And I think we, I think for a father who gets involved, it's commonplace, right? Like you're probably thinking, well, the, I do what everybody does. But I've been right. told when I've talked to these people, they're like, Vinny, you would not believe how many fathers, when you have to tell somebody their kids need services are like, not my kid. He doesn't need special ed. 
and and in, and like I remember, like I didn't even realize it was really called special ed because I was like, well, I pay taxes. You're telling me if my kid's a little behind in reading for free, you're gonna give him some extra services to help him read. Oh, like I mean, if I, I mean, if somebody would pay for me to have an athletic trainer, I'd go to a I'd go to a personal trainer for free too. Right. Like offer it to me for free, why not? But like there, I it blows my mind that like there's still people out there that look at it as you're being labeled in some world. And uh, I, I just think like, no matter what happens, I don't think that if my kid's behind in first, second or third grade, a little bit in math or something and they need help here and there, that's not changing the trajectory of where he is when he's 45, 50 or you know, in, in his life. So, what it, when, so when you think about for yourself, and it's gonna be really introspective for a minute, why or what is it about your own value system that makes you concerned, you know, like, is, have you always been like that in your entire life? Like when you think about before you had kids and your friends and your family, or was there something that like flicked when you had your daughter, were you like, shit, I really do need, this is more important to me now. Have you ever thought about that? I don't know. Well, I actually do. And I remember when she was in the little learners program, she was in a two or three year old program in preschool. And the teacher, we were very, very fortunate because I've been very, very blessed that I've come across probably the nicest people. I really have. I've had the best experience with Port Washington School District with all the teachers. They were just so kind, so helpful. But before my daughter started the public school, she went to uh, St. Peter's for a preschool position. And um, she was, uh, they noticed right away that something was wrong. Um, We knew because she was nonverbal, but the teacher came up to us and she was a retired teacher from Manhattan. She said, you know what? You really have to get her out of here. You have to get her out of here. How old? How old? I would say she was about three and a half. So, you know, at my, the way I'm thinking as a father, she's only three years old. What am I worried about? She's only three, but this teacher spotted something and she knew right away. You have to have her evaluated. You have to get through a system. You have to get a jump on it right away. And I'm glad we did. Because I don't know what I would have did if I would have waited. It would have been worse. I don't know people that wait. I, I our, our son was nonverbal until he was three, and we got into the system, and then it got going. But I've talked to other friends, and they're like, "Oh, we want to wait." I was like, "Why would you wait? It's free. It makes no sense to wait on it." And somebody once told us, like when we talked about different kind of AD, like we're talking about ADHD medications in my son's case, and we had one of our uh, sort of a doctor or maybe it was a therapist. Somebody told us this advice, and they said, "If your kid needed glasses." Would you not give him glasses to see if glasses what were needed to correct his eyesight? And if you think about that, there was a time in this country where like we grew up and I'm sure Mike and we were elementary school kids, kids in 1978 in school that wore glasses were made fun of. There was a world where there was a universe where if you wore glasses, you were thought of as not good enough for anybody else. Like your eyesight was an indicator of whether or not you were going to have a real life, right? That was a world that we lived in. And nowadays, it's like you think about it, I'm like, oh my God, no, if you have so many glasses, we're all like, glasses are cool now. It's like the cool thing to do. So like, to me, I think we're in an interesting time where if you, no matter where you are on the spectrum of special needs or needing assistance, it, we hope we can get to a place where it's not looked at as anything that is bad, but just a different type of help that every individual needs. Because even a high performing individual needs help and can get, use help, right? Um, so th- that's, I guess, where my head is at. But is that when you think about um, how your approach to it, then how did that evolve then from that, like when you got into the system? I, I will tell you this. Um, there's nothing fun than when you sit in a room and you have eight or nine people and you're telling you something's wrong with your child. 
It's just not fun. It's a weird, it's a very, it is a weird out of body experience. It it is just not, it's not something that I I guess you're taken back because you look at a child, you see a three-year-old or four-year-old and they say, well, you know what, John Spectrum, you have to do this. And, but you do notice it. You, you know, when they're around other children, you notice my child is different. And to parent, even parenting a kid, I come home, Vinny, and let me tell you something. I don't know what I'm walking into. I don't know what every day I have one child, but I feel like I have six. I don't know <laughs> what I am walking into. I know airplanes, airplanes usually take off against the wind. When I come in here, I don't know if it's going to be a great day. A bad day. I don't know if I'm going to find chairs on the floor if she's in a bad mood. If I'm wearing the wrong color shirt, she may flip out. I don't know. Um, everything's challenging. I don't know how my wife does it. You know, it's, it's I give her a lot of credit. It is, listen, it's, it's, it's the excitement. It's the excitement of parenthood. And I and I would argue, like, I think if people are listening and, and I think it is there's a I always think about people have twins. And I'm like, I don't know how I could have done like how people do it with twins. I think we're all brought into the situation that we have. Right. And uh it is it is difficult for everybody uh and i think when you have a child that has special needs it's a little harder in very very different ways uh but i just i don't think it uh, we 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 want to i would love to mainstream it so people don't feel either you want to feel empathy but nobody should feel bad nobody should nobody's looking for any pity but i think people have to realize it shouldn't make people afraid of having kids either and if your kid does have a special need that doesn't mean they're there. It's what makes them beautiful on the inside and out. And you want to celebrate it because as adults, there is a job for everybody in life. And I look around and I'm like, God knows the diagnosis I would have had when I was a child, but there are jobs that I am built for and there are jobs that I am not. And so I think it's like, I've talked to this with, with uh, friends and other parents where it's like, you just have to celebrate what's there and do your best to provide them the best environment to thrive. Right. So I know we, you've talked a little bit about this idea of, of uh, inclusion. Can you, I'll be honest, I don't really know that much about it. So for anybody who is, doesn't have an elementary school kid out there and you, they, but kids are either in, well, what, can you explain a little bit about sure. what that so means? Bas- so, so basically when my daughter first turned back, came back to district, she was in a self-contained class. So what happens is, is she was in a 12 one, one. Now, inclusion is basically where you have children who are functioning normally and children who are special needs sharing the same classroom with two different teachers. One is a special education teacher. One is a gen ed teacher. Um, the importance of inclusion. And listen, there is and I am and I think I've said this before and people have heard me say, you know, there is a very, very big difference between the real world and the educational world in the real world is completely different. And you don't really know what to expect. In the educational world, you have your material, your lesson, and you're tested on it. In the real world, you don't learn your lesson until after you've been put to the test. So think about what I'm saying. I mean, you could, you know, you, you could be in a New York City police officer and you go through the academy. There's a big difference than when you're in a shootout, right? In a bad oh, area. Oh, thousand before. percent. Listen, you have people right. in your job. There's a generation of folks that are showing up to work. We need people to figure right. it out. Right. So not academic. You know, Right. And again, it's, it's just more of the fact that, hey, listen, you know what? They call it law school, not lawyer school for a reason. <laughs> right. It's a big yeah, totally. A thousand. That is uh, the uh, yes. For anybody who knows a lawyer and you've dealt with right. them. Correct. There's a big difference. So, right. and, you know, and, and I think the fun, the, the thing about for me, what I did, I know we have a mutual friend. Um, yes, we have we have a few now. Uh, now I think we have a now to right. some of my text messages, Mike. So this is our, our relationships are burgeoning a burgeoning bromance in the town of Port Washington. We have a few mutual friends in this town. 
Dare I say right. people want to call me a friend though? I will, I will, <laughs> right. I will graciously take that moniker. So I had, um, had my daughter in a self-contained and I pulled her out and I put her into a gen ed class and it was the best thing I've ever done. So uh, a self-contained though, just self-contained is a class that is all kids of special needs. Yes. And that's a, if I understand, if I think I know what I'm talking about, there are multiple age groups, right? So you can have a self-contained. No, for the, I mean, for the grade, it one year, it's like all four, say third graders, but all third. It's, it's third, it's third graders, right? Correct. So it's grades one through, you know, one through five here. And then as you go into junior high school, they have it. So my daughter was in a self-contained and we just had an unfortunate ratio. The ratio in Port Washington was 11 boys, one girl. She was the only girl oh. in the class. So that was my biggest problem. So I had made the decision to pull her out. This is pre-COVID and put her into a gen ed setting. And how old was she at this point? What grade is she? She was third? starting second grade. She second grade, you're talking grade. one girl for a second grader, one girl, 11 boys. Right. If she was in high school, you probably would have been like, this is the best thing ever. I have, I have dates up the wazoo. Second grade, uh, that's no, not no, the balance you want in second grade. No, no. And again, it's not, it's not, it's not a school district's fault. That's just the ratio for the no, there, Well, I think there's something in the water in this town, but it is weird in the schools because in my daughter's elementary school, she, the, 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 for some reason, her class is like seven girls, but like 13 boys. Like, but then other, other, right. other elementary schools are reversed where they have more girls and boys. It's a very strange, um, uh, thing that's going on in the water in the world. <laughs> they did say this is a fun fact of gender percentages of gender births. There was a study done, can't be quoted, somebody Google it. But uh, uh, I did read about this one time where the study showed during war times around the world, the, uh, the amount of boys spike versus the amount of girls being born when there is a world war or like a war going on in the world versus when there's not. And so when you look at like birth, birth rates of girls and boys, it's supposedly tied to that. So that may be part of the reason why a few years ago, but or completely unrelated. Uh, listen, you, you don't want to know something. I, I, I think, I think what worked best for us is when we made the decision to take her out of the uh, self-contained yep. and put her into inclusion, um, she was finally able to at least see other girls in a different setting, right? So she would learn how to model after somebody. And, you know, we mentioned the one few mutual friend who has a daughter, uh, I know Lisa Roth, uh, Lisa oh, yeah. Fort Washington person, uh, wonderful daughter. She was actually my daughter's first friend. This is incredible. Like second and third, it's like in second yes, grade sure. to yes. meet like a real. So before that, no play dates. Was she not? She well, again, she would maybe have a play date with somebody who was friends of mine, a friend of mine who lives in Queens, or oh, yeah, but uh, not a know, real, but not family. a real local friend. No, no. So oh. you know, Lisa, Lisa Roth's daughter, Charlie. I mean, you talk about just an amazing child. She was the first one to actually friend my daughter. Oh my god! And. The, the, the other thing which was important was she, my daughter wanted to go to school because for the first two or three years, she would every day was a drag. We'd have to drag her in the car, force her to get to school, oh. crying every day. And then in second grade, something changed. She would come home and talk about this girl. She would go to, couldn't wait to get up in the morning and go to school and see her because I think. And the, and the difference in the class was she's now in a mainstream. When you said she you was in she, a mainstream, right. Mainstream class, right. Right. And, you know, what she's with it, but is there extra help? Does she get? She does. She has a teacher's assistant that sat with her to help her. Gotcha. And again, for kids with special needs, it just comes about redirecting. Yeah. My daughter constantly needs to be redirected. 
because she doesn't stay on task. Yeah, and, totally. It's, it's, it's like focusing. They, it's like usually they can learn, right. but if they're not focusing. Right. So, right. So I would give up. So I would give up social. I would give up academics for social and emotional growth. But again, it was now having somebody to model after and having children. You know, listen, the whole thing about the inclusion is not only does it give my daughter somebody to model after, but it helps other kids become more accepting to kids with special needs. And that's very, very important. Yeah, taking, taking people out of the shadows. It's their reg, their, there's nothing right. to be ashamed about you and you have to treat people with respect at all, at all ages. Right. Right. And so- again, that starts in the home as well. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you'll see parents that teach their kids to help out the kids with special needs. Correct. And I know Lisa was a prime example. She, that's what she teaches in her house, right? She says, be kind. And, you know, even when you'd be to the local supermarket, I ran into them once. I only met them one, twice. She her Target. And her daughter came up and started to speak to my daughter. And my daughter was so happy. And she knew when to push, when to back off. And it was amazing. It was just amazing to see my daughter finally smile and interact with a classmate because she's never done that. It's amazing. So what breaks my heart is it is amazing how difficult your daughter has, has, and I think that's the part that people don't maybe when you have a child with special needs and, and especially with girls. And I have a daughter who's in uh, fifth grade and it is difficult being the father of a girl because there's the, the social, the social dynamics of these little ladies are very different than boys. Boys I find can jump up a tree and find somebody in the street and everybody's friends with everybody. Girls, and whether people blame it on social media or not, I just think it's, there's something different in the way that girls socialize with each other and they're emotionally more mature that it is different. And it is, and it is harder when they don't have a friend, what that, what, what that means. How do you talk? How did you though, at the time, how do you talk to your daughter about that? Like, does, do you, does she ask for friends or were you like, what was that? That, 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 that's what, that's what's troubles. That, that's what troubles you as a father, because what would happen is, you'd see a bunch of kids playing and your child have no interest in playing with them. And as you would get it, you'd know, you'd get a child that would come over um, wanting to be friends with your child and your child still wouldn't reply, still wouldn't respond, still wanted to get involved. And that's what was so challenging. That's, it was just frustrating because like, you know, you'd see a bunch of kids on the block and my daughter playing in the dirt by herself. And you'd sit there and you just, you feel so bad. We've tried everything. She can't, she doesn't want to play sports. So that's where it becomes even challenging to make friends. You know, a lot of yeah, people you deal with. It's, a lot, of acti- it's a lot of activities based on where you are. So when you think about, I guess, like when you think about your approach to fatherhood and that level of respect people have and, and the sort of the idea that, that you're, when you, when your daughter meets these other kids and obviously it's the same level of respect that you're teaching her. Can you talk a little bit about how you grew up? Like what, how many kids what, what are you one of X? How many kids? I am, uh, I am one of two. And where you grew up in a, both parents married, working. Yes, yes. Traditional Italian family. Uh, my father worked two jobs in Queens growing up. My mother worked just, you know, a hospital job. She was a receptionist and worked every single day. Um, we grew up with values, not with a lot of money, yeah. but with values. We made the well, the value was you need had. to work. If you're going to spend any money, that money better came from right. earning it somewhere. Get right. a job. I was, that right. was this, I came from that place, the revolving circle of got to work right. to spend the money. Very much, very much connected. So do you feel like when you think about your the way you're modeling your own fatherhood now, is it a combination of your mother and your father? Did one have more of an impact on you versus the other? Because when you think about I, what you're trying now I, to do... I, 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 w- I will tell you where it's where, where there are things that I find myself doing 
and I look in the mirror and say, oh my God, I'm becoming my father. <laughs> right. And it's, you know, you know what it is, is that as, as they get older um, and my father has gotten a lot older and he started to age and he, he's recovering, you know, recovered from COVID. He had a very bad case of COVID. Um, what's happened was, you know, you find them getting more and more grumpy. And I think it's because as they get older, they find themselves in a world they no longer understand. So he, he's not able to make sense of what he sees. You know, years ago, growing up, every Sunday, families would be at their grandparents' house eating. Yep. Here, every family is, you know, running around with sports all across and you don't have time. So they find themselves in a world where it's the values have changed so much since we were younger and they were younger. Now it's just totally different. And I try to, we try to give our daughter, my wife does the same. We try to give our daughter the values of family. Yeah. Um, surround them with love and cousins and everything we could possibly do. But how much now of that, because you also have a full-time job and you work all the time. Right. Your wife has a job as well, correct? My wife's job is now taking care of my daughter. Gosh, your wife is stay-at-home mom now. Right but, right now, yes. How do you, but, and, and you are, and you though still are a very active father. Like when, when you and your wife, I guess, how do you now think about from a standpoint of that relationship is it something that you guys actively communicate on in terms of the balance and in terms of the division of labor and work to support each other? Because I would imagine there's times where you need to come home after your busy day and take care of your daughter so that your wife gets a break and doesn't want to kill you. Like, how do you, is that an active convert? I mean, I think everybody says communication is the heart of a relationship, but nobody actually wants to give any examples of what the hell that means. Is that something you guys actually discuss or is it, do you just, has, is your relationship just like it happens? Well, I guess there's many times where I'd get up in the morning and go to work and say, well, I'm not wanted at my job. And then I come home, I'm not wanted at my job at home. So I'm not wanted at work. I'm not wanted at home. Maybe I'm better off just staying on the LIE, right? right. Stay on the highway, sit in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's sometimes how I feel my best. It but my, could be safer. My, right. So, But my daughter seems to, you know, she has a very, very close bond with my wife. My wife can't go two steps without my daughter right behind her. And they work, they're always together. And I almost have to vie for time with my daughter because she's always doing everything with my wife. Um, Daddy tries to sit there. Yeah. And I, and I sit there like, Emily, let's go outside and play soccer. But again, because she doesn't play sports, she never wants to kick a soccer ball. Uh, She never wants to play badminton. Anything that we could possibly think of. She likes to swim now. So we got that. My wife doesn't know how to swim. So I'm lucky that I. Oh, no. You have it. Listen, you're going to, you're going to, do you know how to swim? Yes, I do. Oh, so then you'll be be doing the swim. Or we do, I used to do adult swim lessons. Uh, you know, if your wife ever really wants to learn, although I feel like most women now just want to go in the pool and not get her hair wet. Um, right. But uh, but I also think like that stuff changes over time as your daughter. Like it's some it's one of those exposures. My son loves playing Fortnite. When you ask him what his after school activity does, does he proudly says, "I do nothing. I play video games." <laughs> so I do think the, the, there's an evolution of what these kids like to do over time and the way they want to do it. I think I, I think I fell into the same phase as a child, right? We had in television. I'm, I'm dating myself, right? In television, Atari. Uh, you know, oh yeah, yeah, Atari. Yeah, 19, <laughs> listen, we we are children of the '70s. For anybody who's listening, in Atari, you can Google that, kids. Go, Google that one. In television, I don't think you know. Oh, in television, Coleco. I we had right, I, my friend had right. a Coleco vision. I was so jealous. I was like, oh, I just have and the Atari stick and the blisters you would get from going back and forth on the Atari stick was right. ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, so, so Mike, when you think about now, I guess I'm going to go back to the beginning. 
So for people listening to this, uh, I do think it's important to, number one in this country, there's a right to vote. And I think everybody has to get out there and exercise the right to vote. But I think it's the end of the school year. We've lived through two and a half years in this country of COVID. No matter where you are in the world listening to this, it's, a bunch, it's, it's, it's crazy and it's difficult. But uh, I think it's important for everybody to go out and, 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 and meet the people who care and understand why they're doing what they're doing. And I think what I, I, what I appreciate is hearing and understanding how much you care for your daughter, how much you're concerned about your own experience uh, in the education system and, and that you want to bring that uh, as a point of view to volunteer to help be part of the board. Uh, what would you say to people when, when people are sort of thinking about what they should be thinking about when voting or looking at somebody? Like, what would you say to somebody, like if you're not running, but you're just talking to another Joe Blow about like what, what's important or they live some, in another state and they're, they're sort of trying to figure out like, do I care about my kid's education? Do I not? Like, what do you say to that dad or mom who uh, just sort of moved to a town and is, and is riding a wave? You know what, I mean, you know, having a finance background and understanding budgets it has helped me understand the numbers um, and having a child with special needs has made me get a little bit more into the curriculum and the programming. But, uh, you know, what I would tell somebody, again, Port Washington happens to be a very different, you know, different town this year is a different race. I mean, you know, I remember, um, you know, if, if you look all across Long Island, it's making the news that the, 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 school, the school board races have been nasty. I think for the most part, I've been very, very lucky that the people that I'm running against have been very, very kind to me. Yeah. Um, they've been nice to me. We just have differences of opinion uh, and how things work. And, you know, for me, it's my dynamics are different, but I, I don't have anything bad to say about anybody currently on the board or people running against me because everybody's literally volunteering their time. Because again, I have to tell you something. It's not that easy. I'm telling you, I would rather, I would rather you light a needle on fire then and put it in my eyeball than me going around this town putting signs with my name on it. I mean, I was I right. my daughter. We drive around. She's like, he's the only signs I see. I'm like, Emily, do you remember when we did this for grandpa? And I had to drive around Riverhead. And if you, anybody who knows the Dunleavy name from the East End Long Island, there used to be for 12 years, these giant like 15 foot signs. It, it, it is it is giving of your time in community service. So I think my father, yeah. I think there's people who are built for that and they value it. Um, I like to support the people who do it because um, it, it's for me, it's a little easier and more fun. Um, but I think it's admirable, it's admirable because it's community service, whether you're in government uh, and we, and people are hard, we're all hard on the politicians, wherever, wherever you land on that spectrum, we are, everybody is like treating them like it's a nightmare, but like all those people could get paid more money in the private sector. So like there's some degree, it's like, okay, we gotta be, give them a little bit of, uh, of, of, of great, of grace. And in the school board system, it's even more horrific because it's all volunteer. Right. And it's like, and everybody, I do think everybody goes in with the best intentions, trying yes. to do the best. And I think we just have to figure out a way to get enough representation out there that feels like it represents the voice of, of the masses of, of what everybody wants. So that eventually you're just there getting a balance, right? You know, I don't know. Right. That, that's the key word. That's the key word. The key word. The key word is balance. You want to make sure your board is balanced. Where you have somebody from every who, who focuses on different things. That's what a balance is, right? Yeah. There are strengths on one side, strength on the other. Uh, and as long as everybody can work together, that's what's most important. I love that. And now if that if the rest of the world could agree on that, we would be in a much better place. <laughs> now the way I mean it's like it's like if we could all learn to play play good in the sandbox, it would not only help our kids, right? If we're if we're playing nice in the sandbox. Both your, your Emily would have a lot more friends in the sandbox. And as adults, we'd probably all be more civilized to each other. 
So uh, I, I am thrilled, Mike, that we found the time to do this because you are a very busy man. And, I appreciate uh, your time as well. But I think this is what uh, this is what Dad So Hard is about. I want to shine a light on fathers that are out there doing things for their families. And uh, uh, we're not necessarily looking for credit. My wife used to always say, is your podcast about me being a bad wife? And I said, no, it is fully about me being a great dad. And we celebrate our mothers. It was Mother's Day uh, uh, just yesterday, which is phenomenal because I couldn't be a dad if it wasn't for my wife having a mother. And if your partner's out there, whoever it is that blessed you with having a child, you gotta be thankful to those people. But um, uh, I love this conversation. If you are listening and you wanna go back and hear other great dads like Mike, please uh, just go and subscribe and then go to old episodes. Uh, and there's many of them and, I, and, and they're great. If you wanna follow us on Instagram or Twitter, Dad So Hard Podcast or Dad So Hard Pod, you can send me an email to dadsohardpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Mike is only on Facebook, which we got, uh, I'm an Instagrammer because I'm like 48 years old. So um, I do not, I, and I'm not on Snapchat or TikTok. There's a lot of these dads. We're not, we, I debated doing a dad so hard TikTok. That was not happening. Um, but please shoot me an email and uh, spread the word and, uh, and, and learn about the people that are running out there, everybody, and, and find the ones that speak to you and, 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 and hopefully you'll help your own community where you're going forward. Mike, I appreciate this so much. I hope uh, we, we can spread your message and I hope Emily in more particular uh, can meet more friends like Charlie. And oh I think God. those are Pooja glasses, that, that is so the best. Lucky. And we're, so all gonna, uh, we're all gonna continue to put positive vibes out there that, it, that she will. And uh, if she has you for a father, success is not a question. So we know that's gonna happen. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, brother. Me. Okay, we will talk. Good seeing you.